0: Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. This week, I am so excited to bring you the founder of a socially conscious fashion brand named Noonday Collection and the author of the book Imperfect Courage, Jessica Honecker. You may have seen some of Noonday Collection items online. Maybe you've heard of Jessica's book, Imperfect Courage, or maybe you've even listened to her podcast, Going Scared. But I'm so excited just to bring you an entire conversation on this idea of courage with some amazing business tips going anyways, doing it even if you're scared, and what it looks like to have to rely on others. And partnership to get you there. So if you are an entrepreneur or you have a great idea for a business, maybe you have no interest in business at all, but you just want some encouragement and need a little bit more courage in your life. This episode will bless you. Jessica tells us the story of Moonday Collection, how her heart for the nations was birthed, what she does with it, and how she stewards it, but then also has some amazing points about courage that, honestly, I've never thought about before. So if you're like me, and you make decisions sometimes based out of fear, or the fear of something has kept you away from making a decision or doing something anyways, then buckle up, because this conversation is incredible. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jessica. Well, hey, Jessica, welcome to Behind the Bliss. I am so excited to have you.
1: I'm really grateful to be here today.
0: This is a really cool full circle story because I snagged your book in Perfect Courage for myself and for a friend. And that's when I started this whole, I guess we can talk about later, but the process of doing things anyways and go scared, like you say. And I um, then just thought it was just so amazing. And I followed you on Instagram and I need to you to know I am obsessed with your house remodel process. <laughs> I have been on the edge of my seat. And so
1: is that uh, fun or is
0: it fun or is it not fun?
1: Well, the remodel was not fun, but being in the remodel is glorious. So it was, it was right, right, absolutely right. worth it. And I can't wait to show people either. We're talking to a couple of editors of magazines and they can be – Very particular about not having things having already Mm -hmm. been revealed, so that's why I'm being a little I'm being a little dicey about it all. But but coming soon, my email list is going to actually get the full meal deal um, because those aren't officially on the internet. So we're we're pulling it together. But it is it's it's it was an awesome journey, and
0: I'm also so glad it's over. (laughs) I know. Well, you lived in a tiny house for a hot second, like a trailer. Yeah,
1: yeah, we lived in a trailer. Um, out in the front of our house while our children remained inside of our house. And my husband and I lived in a trailer that- How romantic. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually really good sleep because I am a noise machine girl. I don't know if you are. Mm-hmm. Do you- Do you noise?
0: We recently just became one. We just switched rooms in our house just because we wanted a change. And this room is like the room that's connected to the- I guess it's like an exterior room. So our AC unit is like right behind one of our windows, but we've already switched all of our furniture. So we couldn't like go back. So yes, we've just become a sound machine family.
1: Oh yeah. I I, Once I had babes and, you know, we did everything to get them to sleep through the night, including like, you know, vacuum level noises in their room. And so we all got addicted to sound white noise at night. And so this Airstream has, This, it had a huge loud, I don't, I think it was the AC ultimately. I think it was the AC that was just, it was really loud and it was cozy. So I slept really well there, but obviously it was a little disconcerting to sleep in a different structure
0: than my children. So I I was very glad for that to be over with. (laughs) I can imagine. Well, when I first got married, we actually, it's like a longer story, but we lived in a trailer for our first five months of marriage. And we oh, learned a lot. It was, well, after we had like moved the trailer and all the things, we kind of stepped out where the dead grass was and oh. it was like 105 square feet.
1: Wow. that That's, you know, we should all, that should be required. You get married and you live in 105 square feet you survive that and the rest of the marriage
0: is easy. That's it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people could know you for a lot of different things. There's, I mean, people are probably like, Jessica Honaker, Jessica Honaker. Like, how do I know that name? So if you are a listener thinking that, let me clear it up. She is an author of Imperfect Courage. She is the founder of a socially, you say this really well. You say you're a socially conscious fashion brand, which I love that phrase. Um, Noonday collection. But I'm kind of curious. What does every day look like for you right now? House model are resi- you like aside? What does life look like? You know, I I work a nine to five, which is so crazy
1: because I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur who I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, I'm nine years in now, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs start out, well, usually with a hair on fire idea that they have to birth into the world or they cannot live. And that was definitely the case for me, but I also started it to have flexibility when I had younger kids. But now that we've scaled and I have 50 employees and an office and responsibilities, it's pretty funny that I actually live a little bit more of the the CEO life now. So yeah. I take my kids to school in the morning. Um, two of my kids go to the same school. One kid's still in elementary. And I work out and I pray. And then I... If I don't have any meetings where I have to be seen, then I come to the office like I am dressed today, which is in, like, my sweatpants. <laughs> oh, we and, match. Oh, yeah. I'm like in my Uggs and leggings. Oh, I'm in Let's my go. Uggs. I'm in my Uggs, too. Got nothing better Ooh. than a day in the Uggs, I have to Amen. say. No, today felt, it. like, decadent. It was like, I am wearing my Uggs today. This is this is amazing. Yes. Um, you know, if I have to, if I have maybe outward meetings or Facebook lives or photo shoots or anything like that, then obviously I, I dial up for those. And then I spend my days, whether it's, we're, um, picking out product or reviewing, samples of products that have come in or are planning a marketing campaign or our next lookbook shoot or we're training our social en- entrepreneurs our new day collection ambassadors i've been doing weekly sales trainings around how to grow their businesses um, I, I have a podcast of my own called going scared, which is funny. Cause I'm in the middle of a podcast interview day. And so I've done already <laughs> three podcast interviews this morning for my own podcast. And now I'm like, Oh, I'm switching gears. Okay. Now I yes, am being yes. interviewed. It's like switching um, from second to third without a clutch. You just have yeah, to like, yeah, figure out totally. how to like, sit here. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of nice being an interviewer. There's pressure there for sure. When I get interviewed, I'm just like, oh, this is fun and I can share my story. But when I'm interviewing and I know where I want to take the conversation and this morning I interviewed a, you know, psychologist and I'm about to interview a woman who survived Auschwitz, a 90 year old woman who survived Auschwitz
0: who wrote one of my favorite
1: memoirs. So I, I would much rather be on this end of things (laughs) being
0: interviewed amen well interviews like this though are my favorite because I'm like this is a parasocial relationship I know you you just are just now getting to know me and so I feel like this is fun because I get to bring you to all my people and my listeners and friends so this like I said is full circle and such a gift so by no means is this like a chore for me I have been looking forward to this so this is a blast I'm just so pumped um I do have to say that the spring line is to die for, for noonday Aww, collection. thank you. And the artistry earrings are calling my name. So, those are like, good ones. I need to get my hands on those. Yes. Um, so having something sprout like noonday, I guess it has to come from almost like a bigger purpose moment when you realize that you could combine interests and gifts and talents to create something for others. So what was that moment for you? Or was this more of like a process that just unfolded into what is now noonday collection?
1: I think it was both for me. There were moments, and it has absolutely been a million moments since, which Mm, is mm -hmm. ultimately a process and a journey. But for me, I was in a financial bind. My husband and I had been flipping homes in real estate in Austin, and the real estate market crashed, but we had previously decided to adopt a little boy from Rwanda. We had two kids the old-fashioned way and had decided to grow our family through adoption, and international adoption is really expensive. At the time when we made the decision, we had a bit of a nest egg that we were going to use to cover that expense. But the recession hit and none of the houses that we were on the market were selling. We began living off of that little nest egg. But we had already started this adoption process. We weren't going to let a financial obstacle get in the way. We you know, were pretty far down the road. So I knew I needed to do something in order to bring in extra money. And I had previously connected with some friends that were living in Uganda. And my friends in Uganda were there to help create entrepreneurial opportunities for Ugandans. And one of those businesses was an artisan business. So they had met this young couple, thought they were extremely talented. And they told me, Jessica, all they need is access to a marketplace. Would you be interested in creating a marketplace for them? And I laughed them off. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm doing real estate. I've got two kids. I've got another on the way via adoption. I mean, it was one of those things that I I really thought was – Funny at the time. But then it was just a few months later where I'm thinking I need a way to bring some funds in. And I thought, you know, I could sell those African made goods that my friends mentioned that they had. And so I opened my house up one night thinking it was probably a one night thing. I sold these African made goods. I sold my clothes, grandma's China. I mean, it was like a liquidation event of my life. (laughs) Um, but for sure that purpose at that time was we are growing our family and we're not going to let a financial obstacle get in the way. Even then though, with that grand purpose, the day that friends were supposed to arrive that night to shop, I was desperately afraid no one was going to come and then i was afraid of the emotional consequences of feeling like a complete reject mm. and i really wanted to call it off and and seriously considered calling it off but i'm so glad i didn't because women did come and i find that women do want to show up for one another and that is powerful so when we put ourselves in that place of need and vulnerability That enables other women to show up for us. And that is truly the night my life changed. So in some ways, that was definitely a moment. But then the next day, I woke up and realized, I don't think it was meant to be just one moment. I think that this could be a way to fund our adoption. I realized that women love to gather. They loved using their purchasing power for good. And other women had already offered, well, can I do this with my friends? So I texted my friends living in Uganda And they said, well, we'll get you more product. And I just, even before I had received new product from Uganda, I began asking other women, would you open your homes? I've got this gorgeous jewelry and, you know, it'll help fund our adoption and you get to walk away with some free gifts. And so many women were said yes. And when women said no, it didn't matter, you know, because my purpose was so great that it's like those no's just bounced off of me. And- I just started hustling hard and I went and couch surfed in other cities. You know, anyone who said they'd open their home, they would. And then within a few months realized, okay, this is not a fundraiser. This is a viable business. I'd been having a conversation with the marketplace and the marketplace was saying, we like it. So at that point I knew I needed to either raise funds to fund the business, to fund, uh, like more of an operational employee, or I needed to find a partner and I ended up finding a business partner. And that was another moment. Um, definitely was a point of no return moment for me because he had his MBA from Wharton had been working on in finance and he, had previously been living in Mozambique running a microfinance loan bank. So we had a very common mission and purpose and values, but he was about to live off his life savings because, you know, the the business at the time was not generating everything that every money we were earning, we were putting right back in the business and we're not paying right. ourselves a salary. So he said, you know what, I'm ready to go salary free. And he did that for two years he had been saving money basically his entire professional career. And I knew, I mean, every day that we would work together, I just imagined his savings account just depleting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he was like seeing he had, a line
1: graph of it just yeah, going down. Yeah, I did. Down. I really did. He had three kids and I loved his wife. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is taking such a bet on no pressure on this vision. Yeah. So that was a moment when we signed on the dotted line of our business partnership. But then, of course, that moment has led to a nine-year journey now of us, you know, being in business together. And then there's been a million moments since. And I've I've learned that for me, giving myself these moments where I can – go past the point of no return. I actually heard about this yesterday that there is it's a flight terminology for flight pilots. And there's a point when they're flying and they have enough fuel in the fuel tank to get them to their destination, but not enough to get them back to a return if something had gone wrong. So it's this whole idea of you're committing to the destination as opposed to, you know, thinking if something goes wrong, I could still go back. So it's this point of no return. And for me, having these points of no return moments in my life has been really important because. It has made me commit. And when I'm committed, I'm not spending energy on deciding. I'm not thinking, maybe I am going to stick with this. Maybe I'm not going to stick with this. Maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe it's not going to work. I think when you are fully committed to something, it enables you to spend your energy on being forward-thinking and problem-solving and leading with joy and leading with courage and leading with confidence. And that certainly has been the story as I have linked my success with other people that has definitely put me in position of the point of no return. And even though it's painful sometimes because every day is I'm leading, leading a lot of people, and sometimes that can be come with a lot of pressure, um, I'm really glad for the journey because, I mean, I've grown so much because of it and continue to grow.
0: Yes. D- okay. Crazy fun fact is that my husband is a pilot. Oh, so really? that resonates so much with me. Yes. Yes. So- we, we fly often in like a super teeny tiny aircraft and I get that no p- point of no return and you see it happen. You're like, oh, we're going to go. We have to go. go. And yeah, you have options of landing and then taking you back off if you need to refuel, but that one takes more time. It takes more energy and effort that sometimes if you're on a mission and you have a game plan and strategy, it interrupts it and it's less efficient. So there's that analogy can go very, very far, Jessica. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it can. That's (laughs) funny. I have used flight analogies a lot because my
1: dad is a pilot. -uh. Not Yes, he is a pilot. And I, oh yeah, he has some crazy flight stories. Like one time he took off and my mom was filming the takeoff. She was in the plane and it was this beautiful day and she's filming this takeoff and her phone pans to the right wing and she sees something coming out of the right wing and she's like, oh, maybe it always just looks like that. doesn't say anything to my dad. And then a few minutes in, when you're switching tanks from one wing to the next, he starts switching the tank and the plane starts coasting. Ends up what was coming out of the wing of the plane was the fuel he had forgot to put the Uh gas cap on.
0: No. did not put
1: the gas cap on so they had to do this false landing Panic. but i've used that and i have the the video that shows this fuel just pouring out of the wing of the plane and oh, i just thought about no. how important it is to be fueled for our flight and that when we don't put the gas cap back on we're going to have false landings and so what are those things that leak us and anyway
0: there's there's a lot that is of good stuff so <laughs> yes. Okay. I am all about having a language, like a verbiage within a family based on circumstance or experience or whatever. So we have tons of flight analogies that we use to like that, like code words that we don't want to use to embarrass each other, but it's like our lingo of like, you know what I'm talking about right now? Cut it out, you know, but we don't say cut it out in a group of people. We have our own little thing based on flight stuff. So it's just so cool when you get to create that dictionary of yes
1: and those just those word pictures too i think are so powerful yeah
0: right yes wow so cool i'm gonna have to share that story with him I'm like okay you need to listen to this part of the episode would you say like your heart is on fire for the nations like being able to be engulfed in other cultures to be able to go and visit and see is yeah yeah i mean i i
1: my first trip to another culture was in the eighth grade. My grandma took us to Costa Rica, and that was before Costa Rica had any tour books written about it. And then in high school, I went to Kenya a couple of times, and I've always been drawn to building bridges with people that are different than me, and I think that's mm-hmm. why okay. I travel has always been a huge part of my life, and then, in college, I ended up majoring in Latin American studies and that's just because I love the Hispanic culture and I ended up becoming fluent in spanish and so i've always yeah, I've always been drawn to i guess the nations, the way you put it, just drawn yeah. t- to people that are different than me and speak different languages and grew up differently and um, to me, that's made my life. Diversity is what makes my life so beautiful, and I've I've really
0: valued that. That's been part of my journey. Of course, yeah. I just think it's so easy to be in our own world per se without considering the rest of the earth. Just because I I'll speak for Western culture, I've seen it in conversations, or I don't think you have to look very far to see it. But there's almost like a culture that points us to. Our things, our time, self-loving ourself, like things like that that are practical, but they point back to who we are rather than considering others. And by considering others, I mean even people that aren't or don't share the same culture as us, whether they're right here, like on our street, in our city, in our state, or country, or overseas and beyond. And so I think what's so neat and what I see Noonday doing so well, for those listening that don't know or haven't seen pieces from Noonday, is they are from artisans overseas a lot of them Mm -hmm. and I appreciate it because there is a way that it's married into ours that doesn't feel so like I don't know how else to put it but like you know when you come to a really quick stop and like you like jerk forward kind of thing I don't feel like it's like that with Noonday and so I wanted you to be honored that I do feel like there's an amazing marriage of us and like our style and what we love and what they're Mm. creating and what they can offer us. And then there's this beautiful in-between and back and forth. So that's why I asked. I was like, she has to have like had something or some kind of experience to make her say, I want to be a part of something bigger than what right here has to offer me. Thank you. Thank you for that. It is,
1: you know, ultimately that we are a consumer-driven brand. We're a product-driven brand. And When we've had artisans come over to the United States for the first time, they are often so floored when they see their products on other women. They are often like, oh, I thought that maybe people were buying these just to be nice, but they're buying them because they They feel (laughs) more stylish and they feel beautiful wearing our items. And that brings so much dignity. And so it's this idea of how style can become this connecting point between all of us and it is it is really cool. So the fact that you love our product is it's such an honor and it's I know the hands that make all of the product and because of that reason, you know, we we really are we're imperfect by design. Um all of our items are handmade, so there's variations between the two or between, you know, there's no one that's that's ever just exactly like right. the other. And there is something soulful about our product. So when you wear it, you feel that connection. You feel that connection to to hands and to a story. And that's really powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of courage to go and do things like that where you're just like, we're just going to go for it. I'm going to go meet these artisans, whether it's on accident or on purpose create something you've created, whether it was just for survival. And like you were saying, just kind of like in a weird financial season, or if it was just out of desire, I think there's a lot of different avenues to make something happen. But regardless, it takes a lot of courage to just move forward with it. It is remarkable, and it's inspiring. And so you know a thing or two about courage, and you wrote a whole book about courage, which is <laughs> what I love and have recommended to so many. Is that kind of what was the inspiration behind the book? Was this kind of this journey of doing it scared, even when it didn't make sense? We didn't have all the answers.
1: Yeah, I think that I had never correlated myself with the phrase courageous. I had always thought courage was for a few select people, you know, the people I read about as a child, the the heroes of our nation, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, and Actually I just read a, a quote recently by Rosa Parks and it was it was so good. It was kind of like I wasn't trying to change the world, I was just tired of Something like I was just tired of something not changing. Like I was tired of not doing nothing. I was tired of not doing anything about it. Like even not, you know, having that dream or having that itch and not doing something about it, that actually requires energy to hold ourselves back. You know, we're often thinking about the energy that's required to propel us forward. But if you're meant to do something and you're not doing it because you're being held back by imperfection or by a fear of failure or even by a fear of success – that requires um, an energy in and of itself. And I think for me, I that night when I invited my friends over and I wanted to cancel is when our, I learned what courage is, because I realized that courage is a lack of fear. Courage is being afraid and simply going anyway. And, you know, we're always, always all going to be afraid. I mean, I just interviewed a woman for our next series on our podcast, which is about resilience. And it's a woman who survived human trafficking. And at the end of our podcast, we ask, um, how are you going scared right now? Cause the name of the podcast is called going scared. And I felt almost silly asking this woman who has survived human trafficking, you know, managed to get freedom and now goes and frees other people. Um, But even she, you know, is like, oh, you know, basically I think we tell ourselves these stories about other people, about what courage is, but really it's just about doing it afraid. And that is the story of Noonday. I think, too, we often see the outside, the outcome. I mean, it's that survival bias Survival bias are the stories that we know about are the successful ones. (laughs) You know, I'm actually trying to find a story right now. Let me know if you know of one. Tell me when you fail.
0: Yes. I'm wondering,
1: I'm wanting to interview someone who's had a complete business failure, but it's hard to find those because you only know about the business successes because that's why they exist. They have survived failure. And um, so I think that uh, we naturally see these stories of success, and I'm wanting people to understand all of the things that it took to get to that place. And that still failure is a part of my story. I mean, we missed our sales goals last year, you know, and that felt like failure to me, but I had to learn. How do I learn from that? You know, success is a t- can be a terrible teacher. Really it's in those failures and it's in those mistakes or in those like the assumptions we made that actually didn't turn out to be correct assumptions. That's where we get to grow and it's painful. And I'm not saying that I want to relive some of those times, but I can definitely say those are the times where I've learned and I've grown.
0: Yes. I see myself making decisions based out of fear all the time. (laughs) And so where you're like, I don't know what to do. What's going to be the safest? You know, I don't, that's just the way my mind works. If I can just be so honest. And I'm learning now to give the authority to people that can make decisions better for me, even if it calls me to do something I'm afraid of, or honestly call upon the Lord and be like, what is it that you have me do? Because I'm frightened to do it, but I'll do it anyways if that's what obedience looks like. And it's in those seasons when I get to practice courage that I find, I don't, I see God in a completely different way. And then therefore I see my true identity too,
1: mm. when I'm
0: not held back because I'm depending on Rachel. Cause I can't depend on Rachel. <laughs> that's silly. Right. I, like I'll always feel if I depend on Rachel. And so- I think what's so neat about courage and the way you write about it is that, yes, it's about going scared anyways and being okay with whatever outcome just because courage looked like showing up in that, in that place. And a lot of times courage looks like showing up for others, which I think is the scariest part is when it's not even for yourself. You might not even get the gain, you know, but you're doing it because you feel this lack it's scary, but it
1: it is like I think about partnering with my business partner or partnering with the artisans that we partner with, and they started hiring people. And it was suddenly like, if this doesn't work, it's going to have very real consequences in very mm-hmm. poor communities. But again, when we link our success to someone else's, it puts us in that point of return, point of no return position. And then fear cannot be in the driver's seat. Faith and love and hope have to be in the driver's seat because decisions out of fear are always scarcity. They're always self-protection. They're always Mm -hmm. cynicism. And they will not lead to joy and soaring ultimately. So it can be scary. And yet I think that's really what success is. And when we bring other people along with us and when our success literally is reliant upon other people. (laughs) And other
0: people sometimes rely upon our success, you know? Like it yeah, the two yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, I needed that. Hard love. That was good to hear from me. Good. But I think what the way that you are going about courage. And I think what we all can learn as listeners are just on the other side of this conversation is you almost found a need that you needed met for yourself and you found a need that needed met for somebody else. And I love what you keep saying about partnership. Like it it couldn't have been just a Jessica show thing. Like it had to be inviting other people into it. Have you seen – I mean, we kept keep talking about how it means something more when someone else is – or when your success is reliant on someone else and vice versa, but have you almost found that to be like the steam to your engine? Oh, absolutely, yeah. have got to show up. Yeah. Yes, that has been everything for me,
1: and I just love – I, I most identify with being an entrepreneur. And when I think of what an entrepreneur is, it's just someone who is creating something that hasn't previously existed or is bringing their mm-hmm. unique you know, ideas and resources and, and building something. And we've been able to do that, not just for me, but for thousands of women around the country who now have their own noonday collection businesses. And it's really powerful because I believe it's only in action that we grow. You know, I think podcasts are great and what we put in to our minds and into our hearts does flow out of us, you know, so it's important that we're focusing on the right things and that we're not putting garbage into our hearts and our souls and our minds. And, um, because that does have an impact on us, but it truly is in action that we're able to walk through our fears. There's only one way through our fears and it is through our fears. You can't sit and pray away your fears. I mean, I wish I could do that. There was a time when, I was trying to decide if I was going to go into business partnership with my business partner because I was scared to death of failure because I thought, gosh, if I fail, it's not just on me. Now it's now I'm going to bring him and his whole family down. And, you know, I was so scared I was going to mess up. And I just remember just praying so much and thinking, gosh, help me to just have faith and, you know, help me go for it but it's in the going for it and actually signing on the dotted line that I was able to build a new story of faith in my life. And then, you know, when we can, build these new stories for ourselves, we actually create new futures for ourselves because then we're, mm-hmm. we've had these places of evidence that we've built, you know, we've, we're confirming testimonies evidence that we yeah. can walk in faith and we can, it's like stepping stones. We can look behind us and see these stepping stones of faith instead of these stepping stones of trauma or when we quit on ourselves or, you know, Whatever, because failure is part of the story. That's just, that's part of everyone's human narrative. It's what we do with that failure. You know, if we lead, yeah. lead it to become a place of stopping or quitting or defining us, you know, that's when it becomes a detriment to our future because then it's in a roadblock to us um, moving forward. So, really, the only way to move forward is to keep building these new stepping stones where you're living out of this place of faith and, and just simply moving and going scared anyway. And for me, um, you know, like, I just think, I think for all of us, there's, in order to achieve our goals, we have to be accountable to someone. And there's no greater accountability than linking arms and really having people rely upon you for your Mm -hmm. success. Um, And then you relying on other people as well. And that absolutely, our whole business model is built on that. I mean, we... We can't be successful. Noonday Collection cannot achieve its goal of building a flourishing world where women are empowered and children are cherished and we all have dignified work if our ambassadors aren't successful. So I literally every day, I am relying on somebody today waking up and deciding I am going to work my business today. I'm going to call someone. I'm going to ask them to host a trunk show. I'm going to purchase a product. I'm going to grow my business. You know, I am, I am relying upon these women. And then in the same way, artisans are relying upon us to be creating that marketplace for them. And so it's very much the stakeholder model where our success is all linked to one another And that can be incredibly scary, or it can be incredibly motivating and hope-filled. And also, I love how the word encourage, encourage has the word courage in it. I don't think that we can exercise courage without being encouraged. And you can't be encouraged alone in a room. I mean, yes, you can encourage yourself for sure. I mean, yesterday I was preaching to myself. <laughs> I had been walking in some stuff that was just not good. And I was like, honey, I told my honey, my husband last night, I was like, I was preaching myself this morning. So there is self-encouragement, but ultimately we really are meant to be in community where we're encouraging one another and encouragement generates more courage because courage is contagious. So I just, I mean, I don't want people to go alone in life. And I will tell you that, That first time I opened my home, it was not a time when I was feeling like I had community. I had two babes. I was feeling extremely alone. I hadn't built any really new friendships during my adult life. I was still kind of hanging on a thread with my old college friendships that most people had moved anyway, you know?
0: And Mm
1: -hmm. um, I I really, when I say I didn't think anyone was going to come, it's because I didn't have friends, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, but, but I had neighbors
1: oh. and I asked my neighbors to bring neighbors and I was pretty bold about, you know, asking people, my kids were in little Mother's Day Out program and, you know, um, but really noonday that night of having women show up up for me and then realizing the power in that and the power of me being vulnerable and letting other people in is when I learned, you know, we aren't meant to be alone and to not feel alone, you have to put yourself out there. And, you know, now I have this community of new day collection ambassadors, thousands of women around the country. And it's a very, very contagious community where we cheer on one another's success and we celebrate one another. And it's a very like turns the direct sales model on its head. Cause I feel like that model has a reputation for <laughs> being icky or competitive or whatever, but our community is just so different and, yeah, you know, and I, now I have this whole group of artisans as well. I mean, people that in some ways have become like family to mine and I carry them in my hearts every day. And,
0: I and love that. even,
1: even my home office team, you know, now we're, we're all doing it together. And, that's almost the part that can be messier because these are the people I'm with every day, right? They're not digital relationships. They're <laughs> right? live and in the flesh. <laughs> they're a <but> real
0: deal. <laughs>
1: they're the real deal. But, you know, that's also where we grow and learn how to be, you know, how can we be vulnerable as we work together and be a high feedback culture where we can tell each other and be honest and not have meetings after meetings after meetings. You know, where, you know, the hallway meetings where you had a meeting and then you go to the hallway and you're like, oh, I didn't really what she said or you know whatever so yeah also we're wanting to create a culture here that's that's that is that same sentiment of what we've been able to build with our artists and partners that's so good have
0: you read the book atomic habits by james clear it's funny you say that
1: no but the guy that i i just interviewed a guy this morning and he wrote a book called willpower doesn't work and he has worked a lot with james clear so he was um He's quoting him a lot, but Ugh, so I good. love anything that has to do with habits and, um, yeah, willpower. I love all of that stuff.
0: Yes. Well, I feel like it's a lot of what you are saying where you have to show up anyways, whether you're scared or don't feel like it, because you won't have a desire till you've formed a discipline, you know? So, like, what you're scared to do today, if you do it, you probably won't be scared to do it tomorrow. Exactly. So, if you're scared of the dark, go on a walk in the dark, like... It's – that's the only way to conquer the fear is just to do it anyways. And so everything you're saying, I'm like, I think I just read that. Yep, I just read that. Like, it's – I think you would love it. it is I will so have cool. to read it. Yeah, I've definitely had some ambassadors tell me about it. We have
1: been using the life of Alex Hunnell, the guy who scaled Cap in Yosemite, oh. although I would never recommend you do that the guy's legitimately crazy they did mris on his brain and found that he's missing the part of like like the risk management Uh (laughs) uh-huh he doesn't have zero risk management but what but you've got to watch this documentary because it shows him scaling this 3500 granite 3500 foot granite rock without ropes and but to prepare for it he prepared two years for it he practiced and practiced and practiced. And he said, I practice until I wasn't even afraid anymore. It was just embodied, you know, where he went up so many times with ropes over and over and over and over again, that he just knew exactly like yeah.
0: his hand
1: just knew exactly where to place, you know, yes, um, in the yeah. rock. And that is that's really powerful because when something's a habit, then you're not spending energy on it, right? Because ultimately, yeah. if you're having to harness willpower, you haven't really made a 100% committed decision. And so I we've been using that a lot at Noonday and just this whole idea of what are the practices and those habits that we want to get into so that we can just be doing them every day and then we're no longer afraid. Because when we're afraid, you're kind of spending that energy in that indecision. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you know, I mean, the things that made me afraid nine years ago don't make me afraid anymore, but I'm still wanting to live into my growth mindset and into my growth curve. So it's always about finding the next thing that the next place I need to grow into.
0: Yeah, exactly. And creating that habit. Oh, that is so good. I'm about to go watch that documentary or at least oh, add it's it to crazy. my list. I have it's crazy. <laughs> it's not something my husband would like. So maybe it's date night.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a good date night. It's a good date night yes. for sure.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, I'm just wow, so inspired and um I feel like this conversation to tie it back was like me putting the top to my wing so I don't lose all my gas. And I feel like it's a lot of this conversation has been full circle and um there's a lot of moments that I can imagine the listeners feel too that they had their aha, okay, cool, or me too moment. So I wanted to thank you just for taking time and being here and sharing that part of your story, but then also just encouraging me and us listening because that was, I think it's something that it doesn't matter where you are in life. It's something everyone needs to hear or could grow in. So that's beautiful. Thank you. One more fun question. We love asking this at the end, but what is something that you are loving these days? Like something that you are using or doing or listening to that you're like, people have to know about this.
1: Well, I do love the podcast, The Happiness Lab.
0: That is, That was a
1: really good podcast for me to listen to. And then I was able to interview the host for my own podcast, Going Scared. And the, our interview together, actually, I I just texted it to someone before you came on. And I've just been on a very intense growth curve over the last twelve months, and some of that has been. I think when you're really ambitious and you're built to want to build, and you want to you want to build big, some of my reference points can be really skewed. So success for me is nothing less than you know Oprah Winfrey you know style success, and so that can mean I Love don't. Oprah I, I don't stop and celebrate enough, and you know I'm constantly mm-hmm. noticing the gap instead of the wins, and so. Um, The Happiness Lab just gives gives some really great strategies on practical strategies on how to kind of close that gap and have the right reference point. So, so that's, that's been a good one.
0: Amazing. Okay. Adding that one to the queue as well. If someone wanted to learn more about you or see you online or even Noonday or become an ambassador, where can they find these things online?
1: Absolutely. So NoondayCollection.com is our website. And if you already know them an ambassador in your hometown, reach out to her because I'm sure she would love to talk to you more. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then feel free to DM me on Instagram and I'll get you in touch with somebody on, on our home office team. On Instagram, I am Jessica Honiger and that is two G's and one N and I'm pretty active over there. Um, and you can subscribe to my email list if you want to see the before and afters of our home remodel. And then I have my podcast Going Scared, my book Imperfect Courage. And then of course, you can shop our beautiful collection at at noondaycollection.com
0: amazing oh well thank you so much again all this will be linked in the show notes for those of you that are like on your edge of your seat as well about her home remodel and all the things but jessica thank you so much for just being here and encouraging us today
1: well thank you thanks so much for having me on your show i really appreciate you sharing your platform for me
0: I love what she said that the word encourage has the word courage in it and that we need each other to be each other's cheerleaders and help kind of guide and direct each other in the way of encouragement so that we can make faith-based instead of fear-based decisions. Psalm 1 through three says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day declares glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. One of the many things I love about Jessica's story in today's episode was how she has a heart for the nations, how it doesn't just stop here in our community with our friend group, but we're called to love all peoples among the nations. I hope that you use Jessica's story as an encouragement from what started in Kenya when she was in eighth grade to Rwanda when she finalized the adoption process of her son, to now going back and meeting more artisans to continue this collaboration of what is Noonday Collection that if you have a heart for the nations, it's worth chasing that desire. My other favorite takeaway was when she was talking about we have more in common than there are differences among one another. If you want to find more information on the things we talked about today, like the books that we mentioned, the Happiness Lab podcast, the documentary that I can't wait to watch tonight with Thomas, and all things Jessica and Noonday Collection, then head over to our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. If you love today's episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes a quick second, but we love the feedback to know what you're loving, what we can you better and how we can serve you better moving forward but it also helps our reach and our impact and growth on apple podcasts so if you had a spare five seconds after listening to this episode we would be so delighted if you did that with and for us i hope you guys have the best rest of your week that you do things even if you're scared you find new ways to be courageous but that you also find some ways to encourage others have a great rest of your week